0: It is the Tuesday edition of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Hello, everybody. Glad you are with us. One more brutally hot day before this uh, heat wave breaks off for us and uh, get some nicer temperatures coming our way. Coming up on the show today, we will talk with Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald Leader, Larry Vaught in for his regular Tuesday visit, and we will check in with Darren Hedrick, who is in Hoover, Alabama, For the start of the SEC tournament, Kentucky plays in the very first game this morning, and that takes us to our Wildcat news of the day a service of Kentucky beer cheese. Kentucky is the 11th seed in the SEC tournament and is playing in about a little less than 90 minutes against 6th seed Florida. And it'll be on the UK radio network. Darren Hedrick will be on the call on many of these same stations. It'll be televised on the SEC network, and you may remember about two and a half weeks ago, Florida came into Kentucky Proud Park. Kentucky beat them in the first game, and was on the verge of beating them in the second game when Florida rallied, got a walk-off, or not a walk-off, but a top of the ninth home run to blow the game open, and then uh, destroyed Kentucky on Sunday, and it seemed to put the Cats into a, a funk for a while. Maybe they came out of it with that nice win over Vanderbilt on Saturday down in Nashville, and hopefully there will be some positive momentum that carries over from that into this game. If Kentucky loses, they're done. If they win, then they move into the portion of the tournament that is a double elimination event, and they would play at this uh, same time tomorrow, I think, against Mississippi State if they are able to win today. So that will be coming up at 10.30 Eastern time. Happy to see that Max Duffy has signed a free agent contract with the Denver Broncos, so that's where he'll take his shot. Uh, I remember when Rich Brooks was here, and he worked with the the punters a lot, and had a lot of NFL experience, and he talked about how difficult it is for kickers and punters to break into the league. We've certainly seen that with uh, Austin McGinnis. Wow. Once Tim got in though, he had a long career, and uh, that's what a lot of times kickers and punters have to do. Austin is, is still battling. Uh, the late Coach Ortmeier was always uh, trying to help him uh, get connections. And so hopefully uh, the most recent connection for Austin has been with the Rams and it will work for him. For Max, hopefully he makes the team right out of the right out of the gate. But you, you, ne- you never know. He's going to have other options too between uh, Australian pro football and uh, others. But um, I hope it works out uh, for him to uh, maybe – be the outlier and stick with the team right from the start because uh, he is a special talent, not only the length and height of his kicks, but his ability to control direction. So hopefully Denver sees all of that and he lands a spot with the Broncos. Uh, Sky Clark, class of 2022 point guard, has set his official visit for UK. He's coming to campus June 11th through the 13th, according to reports. His players can now schedule these official visits that they weren't able to do last summer because of COVID. The uh, ESPN uh, mock draft latest one has Isaiah Jackson going number 11 to the Spurs, and this is an outlier. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I think it's Brad Stevens maybe that had this quote when it referencing recruiting rankings, and he would say, who's ranking the rankers? Uh, So this will be an interesting one to follow after we get through this draft, see how it plays out, because uh, ESPN's mock draft has Isaiah at 11. Uh, You look at NBADraft.net, for example, they have him at 34. And then they also have what they call a consensus of various mock drafts that has him at 32. So that's a pretty wide disparity. I always tell you guys, I trust uh, Mike Pratt most of all on this particular topic because uh, I know he's talking to a lot of the folks that are making the decisions. And, or some of the folks anyway, and he has constantly told us or consistently told us he has heard that somewhere around 18 to 25 for uh, Isaiah Jackson. So we'll um, continue to track this one, but that ESPN projection that has him in, in the lottery is uh, the only one that has him that high. So are they getting the best info or are they um, off the mark? So let's uh, kind of keep track of that. Uh, some of these mocks after the draft actually happens. We go back and look at them. Uh, Men's tennis, two Wildcats have advanced to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Top seed Liam Draxel and 14 seed Gabriel Diallo of Kentucky, both advancing in come-from-behind fashion. For Liam, it was his second straight match in which he had to rally after losing the first set. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll come back, check in with Ben Roberts from the Herald-Leader. Darren Hedrick, Larry Vaught, a little later on the Leach Report. We bring on Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald-Leader, KentuckySports.com, and uh, we'll talk here in a minute about a couple of of the Next Cats profile pages you guys are doing on uh, new Wildcats, Ben, but let's just start with the beginning topic of roster construction. It's going to be an important new phase of, of college basketball it's always been been important but it's just happening in a different way now and um, I saw one article yesterday was reading uh, one college coach compared it to uh, being more like the uh, the NBA do you think coaches are going to lean more heavily on transfers at the expense of high school recruiting
1: Yeah, I think we're already, you know, we're already seeing that we saw it this off season, and and yeah, I think the NBA analogy is is pretty good, especially with the the teams at the very top, like at Kentucky. Um, You know, as we've seen this spring, it's it's more like free agency than anything, and um, you know, also as we've seen and we kind of predicted several months ago was that uh, you know when it looks like a team like Kentucky. A program like Kentucky or a North Carolina or a Duke um, has an opening. You might see guys who otherwise, you know, might not have been looking as hard to transfer, uh, put their names out there um, if they think they're going to be a good fit. So, you know, Kentucky they've they've done you know okay in the past with those spring recruiting cycles, those late seniors who who are uh, who are deciding um, you know on their college destinations, but but this spring obviously. You know, they had two or three needs, and they went out and got two or three guys who were going to be great fits. And I think with a brand like that, with a with a program of that stature, they're going to be able to do that, uh, you know, in the, in the coming years.
0: It's unfortunate on, on many fronts that the NBA and, and Powers and College Basketball uh, can't ever find a way to, to get together to kind of uh, manage things for the best interests of of Both of them, rather than uh, each operating independently so that you get, uh, you know, coordination of, you know, dates for things. And uh, what I guess I'm leading up to is a situation like Arizona State where they had a player named uh, Remy Martin who um, was going off to the NBA. And then um, so they recruit to fill that spot. And then he's thinking, well, they're keeping the option open of coming back to college. They get you know get to that point later. Maybe the NBA evaluation is not what they want, and suddenly there's you know the, the the landscape has changed from the place that they left, and they end up going somewhere else. And I think that's going to happen a lot.
1: Yeah, I think it is, and and yeah, it is. It is. Well, I mean, I think it's strange that the NBA and and NCAA haven't been able to to work out. You know, it's just—it seems like it should just be a series of conversations yeah. throughout the year to, to try to get that calendar set. And you know, I've always seen it as the NBA kind of has an attitude of, well, you know, kind of what happens down there doesn't really affect us. But I, I, if that's true, I don't think that is true. If that's if that's what they're thinking, um, so you know, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's—it seems like every year there's something. There's some different wrinkle that that's probably not great for for either the NCAA or or the n b a that that kind of emerges and, and and linkers for several years
0: and we've got kind of sit here in Kentucky where you know Davion Mintz, if if you're John Calipari and you know he's not going to test the nBA and he's coming back then uh, maybe there's one of the transfer in guys that you you wouldn't have taken, but you don't know that, so you have to move forward as if you're you're not going to have a player in that situation and then you know, if the player wants to come back, then you you figure a way to, to work it out. And uh, what do you think of how the roster Cal has put together for next season to this point?
1: I mean, I, I think it checks a lot of boxes. I've, I've been impressed with um, with what he's been able to do, you know, kind of given where he started at the beginning of this spring. Uh, obviously, they needed – I mean, you know, really they didn't have any guards other than Dante Allen, you know, once, once Devin – made his decision. So, you know, I think they've been able to the, – the fact they were able to get Tai Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler for those two point guard spots, I thought was pretty amazing because when you start with zero point guards this late in the game, it was going to be really tough to convince a second guy to come after that first guy comes. So when Tai Ty comes and he's seen as a one-and-done NBA point guard, who are you going to get that's really going to be up to the, both up to the challenge – accepting of the fact he might come off the bench um, and good enough to play at Kentucky right away. And was I thought they hit, they hit a home run uh, to get him. So I think that was obviously the biggest question coming into the offseason is how do you manage it and manage expectations to where you can get two point guards who can play, you know, a full 40 minutes a game combined, especially if Davion Mintz doesn't come back. And they were able to do it. And uh, – you know they complement each other so well that I think those two can and will play together at the same time at certain times in the season. So you know I think across the board uh, he, he, that staff did a did a great job of uh, of putting this thing together.
0: I'll acknowledge you, I follow uh, the SEC schools more closely than than other leagues, but it sure seems like the SEC uh, collectively has uh, has dominated the transfer portal I mean saw saw Rocket watch just uh, committed to Mississippi State I mean they picked up Garrison Brooks too I'm just running out examples here and you know auburn has got uh, Walker Kessler Katie Johnson and uh, you know you you go on and on in addition to Kentucky that uh, a lot of teams in this league have done very well at managing the transfer game.
1: Yeah, Adam Miller to LSU. I, I I did something a few weeks ago, kind of breaking down. IU, used ESPN's Top 100 transfer rankings, and it wasn't just the, the the volume that the SEC was getting of those you know top fifty or so guys. It was the fact that it was spread all across the league. It was something like. Ten or eleven SEC teams mm-hmm. had a top fifty, top seventy-five transfer. It, you know, it was across the board. I, I think that was the most amazing part. Not only all this incoming talent that they're going to have for next season, but they're pretty much every you know every every school in the conference got somebody or got you know in Kentucky's case three or four guys that are going to be instant impact guys. So yeah, it it was pretty amazing the way they were able to uh, to to maneuver this thing and and just the. The, the influx of talent for next season should be should be really really uh, really really good
0: talking with ben roberts of the herald leader we'll be right back to continue the discussion in just a moment here on the leach report radio network find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the big blue at tomleachky.com 24 past the top of the hour chat with ben roberts from the herald leader kentuckysports.com uh Dior Johnson uh, one of the star recruits of the class of 2022 didn't have Kentucky on his uh list of finalists and then he uh, uh, announced a, a list of 5 that did have Kentucky on it um what do you think Kentucky's priorities looks like for the class of 2022 in basketball
1: um i, I... I think it's still a little unclear just because the staff shake up and the fact that, um, you know, they still haven't seen, you know, we say they haven't seen any of these guys in person since, since last March, but the reality is pretty much across the board, they haven't seen anybody in person at all because they weren't concentrating on, on this class when they were out on the road, uh, the last time. So, you know, the, the, the dead period ends June 1st. Um, there's three evaluation periods in July of, of, of players with their, with their AAU grassroots basketball teams. So I think once we get to the end of July, we're going to get a lot better sense and Kentucky's coaches will get a lot better sense of who they really want in that 2022 class. Um, so I, I think that's, that's still to be sorted out over, over the next couple months or so they have been sending out offers, at a pretty, you know, a, a pretty, you know, higher than steady rate uh, by Kentucky standards. So uh, there are definitely some guys that they know they want, but some of those guys are also going to be looking at the G League, and, and they know that. So I, I think once they get in the gyms over the next couple months or so, really get to know these players in person, which they also haven't been able to do, um, I think that's when everything will kind of settle out. So I, I think by August 1st we'll, we'll know a lot more, and, and they'll know a lot more about, about who they really want
0: one of ben's uh, main duties for the herald leaders running the next cats recruiting page for basketball and you've got a profile uh, page on ty ty washington up there you've previously did one i think on cj uh, frederick um uh, any interesting nuggets from those two deep dives
1: no not really just uh you know we're trying to you know we try to talk to the you know the coaches and the people that have been around them for uh for those things, too, so um, really just trying to get a primer out there for, especially once we get, you know, everybody's got their summer plans doing things over the summer, so once we get toward the fall and, and they start practicing, uh, fans can check back in and, and get to know these guys a little more, because, you know, we you know, <laughs> during this past season, we thought it might be one of the, uh, you know, least roster turnovers of, uh, of Calipari's career at Kentucky, and then now you're looking at uh, seven seven new players for next season, so uh, fans are going to have a lot of learning, and then I'm sure relearning to do uh, once we get to October November.
0: You think there'll be a, a as if there's a more of a focus on transfers that there'll be maybe a, a little more roster stability. I mean, you, you look at Kentucky, uh, like Grady's obviously going to be a one year player, but uh, uh, but others, there's guys that you can see staying maybe at least two years, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to be one of the bigger questions uh, going into this season. I You know, at, at this point, unless Davion comes back, Grady is going to be the only guy who's playing his last season of college eligibility. So, you know, Severe Willard joked that he, he felt like an SEC veteran um, last week in, in his meeting with the media. But he's with the extra year, he's still got three seasons of NCAA eligibility. It seems like he's been around a while, but he's still got three years left if he wants them. Uh, obviously they've got a couple freshmen who they don't see as, as, uh, as one, or one with Bryce Hopkins who they don't see as one at times. Um, CJ Frederick could be around. So yeah, I, Dante Allen, I, I, it seems like we say this every, going into every season, but with the new transfer wrinkle, um, and players not being able to, to, it seems like take advantage of that role if they transfer multiple times. You know I think players coming in with with multiple years of eligibility it it seems like logic would say that, that they would stick, so yeah I, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how much stability there there really is uh, in the next one two years.
0: All the recruiting is going to heat up for uh, college basketball here over the next few weeks with uh, visits starting and evaluation periods uh, things that uh, could not happen last year, so place to follow it all is the next cats recruiting page. And Ben Roberts at the Lexington Herald-Leader. Thank
1: you, sir. All right. Thanks a lot, Tom.
0: Halfway home on this Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, Got a few seconds here before we uh, hit the hard break at the bottom of the hour. So let me remind you to check out the All Resilient Team page at TomLeachKY.com or check out our Facebook page for the All Resilient Team. Listen to the salutes that uh, air here on the radio show, some uh, amazing stories of young men and young ladies across our state who have overcome adversity to participate or to excel in their respective sports and um, thanks to uh, our great sponsors for making this possible see you in just a moment with darren henry can't get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio 1080.com now back to the show From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, it is the Leaks Report for Tuesday. We head down to Hoover, Alabama, to bring on Darren Hedrick. He's the radio voice of U.K. baseball, and he'll be on the call here shortly, uh, a little less than an hour, first pitch uh, down in Hoover for Kentucky, playing the opening game of the SEC baseball tournament against Florida. Uh, Weather's a little warm there as well as in Kentucky, right, Darren?
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be 95 during the game this afternoon with the humidity. So we are in the deep south. In the summer, Tom. (laughs) Good thing
0: it's starting at 10.30 Eastern time then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can get in while the weather's still nice and and, uh, comfortable and get this game in.
0: This was a Florida team that about two and a half weeks ago, I was listening to uh, your call on the Friday night game, the second game of the series. The Kentucky's one pitch away from winning the series. They were going to have won the first two games. And then uh, Florida got a, a base hit to bring in the tying run and then a home run to to win it, and it seemed like it took Kentucky uh, until this past weekend maybe to recover from that. Um, what do you think? What do you think your, their mindset is as they get ready to take on the Gators?
1: I, I think they're in a good spot. I really do. This team seems relaxed over the last
2: few days, and
1: you know, I, I wonder, Tom, with that win over Vanderbilt on Saturday, the way they did it, it looked like Vanderbilt might have won the game on a borderline pitch that was called a ball then Kessler homers, then Plastiak homers, and Kentucky beats Fandy in a very similar fashion. I I wouldn't say it makes up for that Florida loss, but I think it exercised demons, and it got this team feeling good. They know they've got a good starter on the mound for the game today, so I think think they're in a good spot, and I think they're ready to see Florida again.
0: For fans that uh, or don't do a deep dive into SEC baseball. Maybe they just follow the Cats. They've been to Kentucky Proud Park. Uh, tell us about the stadium there at Hoover and what kind of baseball it plays to.
1: Well, I'll tell you this much. It is a big ballpark, and it plays big. The gaps here are huge. If you can send a ball down the lines or into the gaps, you have a chance not only for two but three bases. It is hard to hit home runs in this ballpark, especially when it's hot and humid. But if you catch the wind right, you can hit them out. Center field is 4.05 here. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great turf. It is a natural turf. Uh, The ball plays fair. It plays true here when it's on the ground. So it is a great facility. And a little quick history for you, Tom. It's the former home of the Birmingham Barons. It's where Michael Jordan played when he was in the minors. It's where they filmed part of Space Jam. (laughs) So it is a pretty neat facility. It's where the spaceship landed when Michael Jordan came home after playing with the Toon Squad. Ah,
0: yes. Uh, (laughs) Well, Newman was on the scene (laughs) late night. (laughs)
1: That's right. That's right. Uh,
0: Let's uh – Talk a little bit about the matchup with the Gators on the mound. Uh, tell me who Kentucky's throwing and what they'll be getting from Florida.
1: Well, we'll start with Kentucky. They're throwing Sean Harney. and It's a kid that they really believe in. Sean is a veteran guy. You know, he pitched at UMass before transferring to Kentucky, and he presents a really challenging arsenal with his fastball in the mid to upper 90s. He also has a curved ball that is a true 12-to-6 breaking ball. Any pitcher or staff member around Kentucky's program you ask, they'll tell you it's the best breaking ball on the team. And his outing with Florida wasn't bad. He pitched in the rain, gave up a home run that tied the game at two, but Kentucky still carried the lead late in that game. So Sean had a good outing against them the first time. The Gators on short rest are going to throw Tommy Mace, their Friday night starter and Mace was the one who lost to Kentucky 7-5 to in that series at Kentucky Proud Park. But he does present a challenge. He's got a good fastball, obviously. He's got tremendous breaking stuff. He threw 106 pitches last Thursday against Arkansas in the start, and so it'll be interesting to see. Actually, it was last Friday, so it'll be interesting to see how far he goes. But a great matchup with Harney versus Mace. In this uh, this duel coming up in a few minutes.
0: This is a um, double elimination tournament eventually, but this these games on the first day it's win or you're out, right?
1: Yeah, it can be a little confusing with this setup, but today's games are all double or today's games are all single elimination. If Kentucky beats Florida today, they'll advance to play Mississippi State tomorrow, and that's where the double elimination starts. And you'd like to stay in that winners bracket if you can win Tuesday today then you can uh, advance to that winner's bracket Wednesday and Thursday. and If you win both of those games, you get Friday off, and then you go into the weekend with the semifinals where it returns to single elimination. So it is a a tournament with a lot of different nuances to it.
0: Hopefully that uh, mojo that they found in Nashville on Saturday afternoon is going to carry over for you guys down there in Hoover. Have a great call, McNairn.
1: Thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate it.
0: It's Darren Hedrick. He'll be on the call on the U.K. Radio Network a little less than an hour from now. First pitch in the SEC tournament in the very first game, matching Kentucky and Florida. Larry Vaughn will join us when we come back. It is The Leach Report Radio Network. It's The Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. We bring on Larry Vaught from VaughtsViews.com, YourSportsEdge.com. We just heard uh, Darren Hendrick talking about U.K. baseball. You've been writing a lot about U.K. softball, Larry, which is headed to another super regional this weekend down in Tuscaloosa. And um, I know I saw some of your uh, tweets yesterday uh, with the stats on Alabama. This will be a
2: tough, tough assignment. Yeah, Alabama's really a good team. They've won 16 games in a row. They did not allow a run in the regional uh, three games that they played. had 44 strikeouts. I think they're ranked third in the country. So pretty big big hill for Kentucky to climb. But on the flip side, the last two times that U.K. and Alabama played three-game series, Kentucky won. It was 2019 at Alabama that Kentucky won two of three. And then this year, the open SEC play, Kentucky took two out of three. So I don't think there's an, will be an intimidation factor for Kentucky like there would be for a lot of teams. But as Rachel Lawson said after Sunday's wins, you, you still got to be able to beat them. You, you know how good they are and no matter how familiar you, you are and all like that, you still got to be able to go out and beat them. And that's sometimes easier said than done.
0: And the pitcher that pitched Alabama past Kentucky in the SEC tournament was, or is, uh, from Kentucky, right?
2: Yeah, uh, Montana Fouts, uh, quite a, quite a player from from East Carter. And, and think about this time at one time during the recruiting, when uh, Rachel Lawson, she had all four of these players on campus at the same time. Recruiting she had Montana Fouts, Kaylee Tow of Madisonville. Uh, Mallory Payton of Madisonville, and Lauren Johnson of Owensboro. And, of course, Tao and, M- and Founts went to Alabama. Peyton and Johnson st- stayed in-state and are at Kentucky. So four awfully good players came out of that one uh, softball class here in Kentucky.
0: I think softball is going to be like volleyball. Um, they knocked the you know, knocked volleyball knocked on the door for a long time kept getting a little better a little better being there in the hunt every year and then they finally broke through one at all this year and, uh, I think you know whether it's this season or or one to come for rachel Lawson I, I think something they'll have one of those kind of runs too
2: yeah they they've been just pounding away and they are kind of a fixture in the super regionals and they've been a fixture in the upper half of the SEC which the SEC is loaded in softball like it is in a lot of sports so. I don't know if this will be the year they can get back to that World Series or not because it's it's tough to go to Alabama and, and win. They, uh, their fans really get into it there, and it, it's, a, it's a big challenge. But Kentucky came from out of that loser's bracket and really looked good against Notre Dame uh, Sunday. Autumn Humes and Grace Bauman both pitched shutouts. They got hitting when they needed it. They've got who I think is maybe the nation's best player in Kayla Kowalik, uh, she's just incredible what she, what she does behind the plate and at bat both. So they are uh, playing really, really well and they gained a lot of confidence with the way they came back and won the regional. So we'll see what happens starting Friday afternoon. Let's shift to
0: football. I think it was DraftKings that uh, put out the over-under on wins for uh, teams this week, and they have Kentucky at six-and-a-half wins. Seems low to me.
2: Yeah, it, it does to me, too. I don't know exactly what they know that maybe we don't know, but with uh, not, not playing an all SEC schedule, getting a full 12 games to put Kentucky, I mean, I think I would definitely, if I was a gambling fan, I would definitely be putting a few dollars down on the over if it, if it was me.
0: i uh really going to be intrigued by that Missouri matchup in, in week two. Uh, I, I think people are getting a little drunk on Missouri in terms of some of the pundits.
2: Yeah, and, and and that's one of those, I mean, games when we look back at next season, could be one of those kind of breaking point type games. As long as Kentucky wins that game, I think everything that you and I think could happen could. If for some reason Kentucky loses that game, because I'm kind of with you, I'm not on that Missouri bandwagon like a lot of other people are. I think that's a game Kentucky should and, and will win if you win that one then i think that a lot of pieces later in the season are going to fall in place just like you anticipate but you definitely need to win that one from a momentum standpoint
0: uh, brad white was on the behind kentucky football podcast with uh, our buddy curtis birch and one of the things he talked about was how well jj J. weaver is is doing in his recovery from the knee surgery uh what i said yesterday and i'll get your take on it is uh, i can fully expect him to be back out there with them when the the season started but uh, i think to get back up to his max level uh, i'd say if you could get that somewhere in the second half of the season would be doing great
2: yeah i'm with you i would think tom if he could be where he's full go and you can use him however you want and know he's fully ready say by game five or six that i think you got to be pretty happy i think as long as he just could be out there when you get ready to start practice and going through things and kind of working him in i think that could be a a big big factor he's a guy nobody's really talked much about because you kind of just you don't know what he's going to be able to do or not do everybody comes back with that surgery at, at different paces but if but if he's able to come back and it's able to and build on what he did last year before he got hurt. That's a big, big piece to add to that defense.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, he was moving toward a real breakout year this year had he not suffered the knee injury.
2: Yeah, he certainly was. I think as as the year went on, he just got better and better and did all the things that you saw or heard the Kentucky coaches talk about that they thought he could do when they recruited him. I mean, he's one of those... Game-changing type players, always developing into that type player when he had this kind of that freakish injury that kind of uh, made him obviously miss all the winter workouts, the spring practice, and I, I keep hearing folks talk about that he's way ahead of where they thought he would be, but still, not everybody comes back from that injury the same way. So I'm sure hoping he can because he's a he's a fun and exciting player to watch play.
0: You know, back to the DraftKings thing, um, part of it's probably uncertainty at quarterback. And as far as uh, setting that projection where they did, and then I still think there's probably a uh, a tendency to not um, p- p- enough people have outside of the Commonwealth have have bought into what Stoops and his staff have done in terms of building depth, so that you know you lose a Jamin Davis and uh, people you know see you know a don't don't just anticipate they're going to have somebody ready to to step in there and in other places too uh, as the other top programs uh, do it and I think Stoops is building the depth to the point where you know maybe not in in every case but in a lot of cases they're going to have somebody like jamin was ready to step in when he got his chance and then shine
2: yeah I think that's the biggest thing that Mark Stoops and, and Vince have done with Kentucky they've got that second line or even third line depth that's got a lot of guys really really good I mean even you look at like trying to replace Quentin Bohanna, who the Dallas Cowboys seem to just be in love with. They they cut their nose guard from last year. They're just going to put Quentin in there. But then some folks might tell you that uh, a fully motivated Marquand McCall might be better than Quentin now that he's going to get his chance to play all that he wants to. And I think there's a lot of examples like that at Kentucky. Maybe nobody's going to rise to the level of what Jamin Davis did and go from being just kind of an unknown to a first-round draft pick, but I think they've got a lot of guys given an opportunity are going to play really well this year. And I think people just continue to underestimate the depth and the talent of this Kentucky roster. But I think it's a good thing because I think Kentucky has shown I agree. That they handle adversity a lot better than they do prosperity. Let them have that stuff to, to build on and kind of put that chip on their shoulder and keep it keep it that way.
0: We're talking with Larry Vaught. We'll take a break. Come back with our final segment of the Leach Report. You can read them at vaughtsviews.com. Follow on Twitter at Vaughtsviews. Chat with Larry Vaught from vaughtsviews.com. You can uh, get Larry's coverage of sports in Kentucky straight to your email. How can they do that, Larry?
2: You can uh, go to dot com, and you'll see a little drop down where you can just sign up to have it just put your email address in and it'll start coming to you every morning then
0: makes it easy um i saw one of your stories uh you compared kentucky basketball to the antiques road show i'll let you explain from there
2: well that was actually uh, keith peel that did some, oh, was some it writing keith? for okay. me yeah that did that and really well done probably too creative for me so <laughs> let's talk to talk about how hey, you Sometimes you pick up odds and ends at an antique or a flea market or something that didn't mean a lot to somebody else. But once you get them to you, they become more valuable to you than what they were to the person that did have them. And they kind of compared that with the transfers that Kentucky's getting in, how maybe they're going to be more valuable like Kentucky for what they can do and who they're with and the pieces they now are, are part of a collection with than what they were when they're at their old school. So it's a it's pretty interesting and, and unique read and kind of gives you a little bit different pr- perspective of what you could think about next season because it, it is ha- hard to know when you bring in different transfers like that how are the pieces going to fit together? Are they going to seem like they're even more valuable when they get to Kentucky than what they were with their older teams or, or not? So, But it's a really creative piece by Keith. He did a really nice job.
0: When it was uh, a group of stellar freshmen rolling in every season, uh, you could get uh, excited about the the mystery and how it was going to look. But you didn't have a lot to go on. At least here, uh, you've got a little more to to go on in terms of uh, demonstrated performance of you know whether it's Wheeler, Frederick, Grady, etc. Um, you know we won't know to get here, but uh, I like. The the look of the way it's pieced together, it, I'm optimistic that
2: the pieces will fit together very well. Yeah, I, I think so, too. It, it just looks on paper like better fits than last year, but, but again, you, you just never know. And it's what I've been trying to caution folks a little bit about, that it wasn't, well, I can't remember, what was it last June or July, whatever it was, that Olivier Sar. Yeah. Was declared Good eligible moment. and I had friends that just wondered how much Kentucky was going to win the national championship game by what if they're going to be there and this they thought that was the final piece and it was just going to solidify everything and it just didn't quite work out that way for a variety of reasons. So I think we all think the pieces are there and it's going to be a much better season. Well, I don't have any really doubt it's going to be a much better season, but whether it could be a championship type season or not, I think it'll still be a while before we see that and it'll it'll still take john a little bit of time to kind of tinker and figure out who he's going to use where but i I sure like the additions that he had and i like everything they said when they've been available to the media
0: about a minute or so here what's uh, what are you hearing from fans in terms of uh the reaction to this roster Cal's constructed and you know there was a lot of i'm done with them you know i'm tired of this i'm you know given up on Kentucky basketball, and now I would imagine most of those people are all back, all in.
2: I, I think the bandwagon and, and, and the boat <laughs> are all full, but I think uh, for the people I talk to, tell one reason for that is the r- return of Orlando Antigua also. I think that has really given a lot of fans confidence. I, I don't think I even realize just maybe quite how beloved Orlando was by a lot of UK fans, but I think having him back It's given fans a lot of confidence about next season also.
0: Interesting. Larry, thank you much for the time. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Tom. That's Larry Vaught. He joins us uh, every Tuesday here on the Leach Report. Uh, Former Kentucky wideout Allen Daly has found a new college football home. He's transferring to South Alabama. And a Kentucky birthday today, Cedric Jenkins, a.k.a. Swoop, the nickname Kaywood Ledford gave him, had that great uh, tip in to beat Louisville. During his Kentucky career. So happy birthday to Swoop. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. With Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.